Chasms just aren't just in the afterlife, you know. I met Larry early on in my last job in downtown Memphis. It was pretty hard not to meet Larry, actually. He was this massive, six-and-a-half-foot-tall man, alarmingly skinny. God only knows how long he'd lived on the streets. And while you couldn't often understand a word that came out of his mouth, Larry had this uncanny sense for when the church doors would be unlocked and the staff would be occupied. So he'd waft in mid-sermon, waving a flamboyantly colored scarf he'd picked out from our free clothes closet. It just wasn't church till Larry had entered and exited the nave at least six times before the sermon was over. Like most of the hundreds of folks we served breakfast to every week, Larry had some significant mental illness and addiction issues dealt to him in a life deck already containing generational poverty and oppression. Larry had better and worse days. Some Sundays he could sit quietly during breakfast, and other times just walking past him would set him off. One Sunday... In particular, he started yelling and spitting before we could get him outside into the open air. And I looked over to see my buddy, Mac, uh, who worked at the Homelessness Resource Center uh, next door during the week. And to my surprise, Mac was doing something he wasn't, didn't normally do. Uh, his eyes were wide, and he was backing away from Larry's frothing. He's got TB, Mac hissed at me. Chasms are not just in the afterlife. And after that day, the chasm between the world and Larry kept opening wider and wider until soon there was no crossing it. Every month or so, I'd be walking downtown and past the mental health crisis response team who were on the scene of yet another call about Larry. They'd try to coax him into a patrol car after whatever upset he'd caused. Then Larry would disappear for a while. I was never able to find out what really happened during those times, whether he went to jail or to the hospital or to some other place just not really built for Larry. In the Brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky, one of the characters tells a parable. Once upon a time, there was the most horrible old woman who ever lived. She was mean and spiteful and full of vitriol. She never said a nice word to anyone and cared only for herself. She would purposefully make babies cry when she passed them. And she carried a cane, not because she needed it, but because she got pleasure from hitting people with it as she went by. In her whole life, she had done only one good thing. A beggar had come by while the woman was working in her garden one day. And rather than her usual response of physical and verbal abuse, she plucked a single onion from the ground and threw it to him. Well, time went on and 
This awful old woman died and was immediately sent directly to hell by St. Peter. As she looked across the chasm that had opened up between her and redemption, she protested, Wait, I gave an onion. St. Peter summoned the beggar from among the redeemed, and there he was, holding that onion. Hold it out to her, he said, and the beggar did. The woman caught it in hell and dug her greedy fingers into its papery yellow skin. The beggar began to lift her slowly across the chasm, but she was too much weight for one onion's tensile strength. The onion broke, and she fell back down to hell for eternity. Jesus tells a parable in our gospel today. This is the fifth in a series of parables about wastefulness. We started way back when with a lost sheep and a lost coin and an owner who throws extravagant parties when she finds them. The wastefulness continues with the prodigal son who spends a fortune, much like his prodigal father, and partying and celebrating. Then last week we had a wasteful manager making friends through shrewdly forgiving debts that weren't his. Today, we hear of a rich man who wastes his riches on himself. The rich man is unnamed and the beggar Lazarus. The rich man dies and is sent to a place of torment among the dead, and Lazarus is scooped up to the bosom of Abraham. The great patriarch says there's a chasm fixed between them now, no crossing. The interesting thing I think about this story is that the chasm was there the whole time. Even though Lazarus was as physically close as the front gate of the rich man's yard, in reality there were worlds between them. And so it's the same in the afterlife, he says, except the chasm becomes obvious to the rich man in a way that it was once only obvious to Lazarus alone. Abraham describes the situation to the rich man as simply a matter of justice. You had good things dealt to you in life. Lazarus had bad things. You believed you both deserved what you got and kept it that way. How can you question this now? How can you not have noticed the chasm widening before Christians are sometimes accused of escapists like pie in the sky when you die thinking. But this parable is not about the geography of heaven and hell. It's also not even about who goes where, particularly. It's about looking at what is happening right now. And the way that what is happening right now is forming our eternal souls, the shape of them. Church, honestly, is one of the only places I know that says, look at this unsolvable problem of suffering, this thing that you would do anything to avoid, this person you would like to never see again. Now go toward it.
realize again and again you can't solve it. And do not stop trying. Whatever you do, do not look away. I was cleaning out my office in Memphis to move here when I saw Larry for the last time. It had been months by that time since I'd seen him, and there was just no way to know where he had gone and why. So when I spotted his spindly frame striding across the parking lot, I shrieked at him, Larry, Larry, and ran over full of wonder and admittedly no small amount of fear about what version of Larry I was about to find in front of me. Hey, pastor, he said, how are you? I stopped in my tracks, totally astounded. Not only could I understand the words he was saying, for the very first time he was looking me in the eye and asking me how I was doing. I'm, I'm fine, I said. Larry, where, where have you been? I haven't seen you in forever. Man, you look great, I said, slowly taking in that he had put on weight. He had clean clothes on. A great chasm, I thought uncrossable, began knitting itself back together right before my eyes. Yeah, he said. I spent some time in the hospital. I'm feeling way better. I'm feeling way better. I was struck dumb as he pulled up on this rope that he held made of onions and breakfast sandwiches and scarves I had offered along the way. It held for one brief moment. Anyway, he said, I'll see you later. As he turned to continue to make his way further up and further in to the bosom of Abraham. Abraham. 